0: Welcome to An Eye for Business, exploring the entrepreneurial mindset of people who are blind or vision impaired. Brought to you in partnership between Blind Citizens Australia and Vision Australia. Hello, and welcome to this episode six of An Eye for Business. An Eye for Business is very closely linked to the Entrepreneurial Mindset series, which has been run by Blind Citizens Australia between September and December 2022. This week in the program, we feature Elise Lonsdale. Elise was the subject of one of the very recent webinars. Elise has been running Data Australasia for the last four years or so. Elise, thanks for joining us on the, uh, on the podcast, and thanks for agreeing to be a part of this series.
1: You're very welcome Vaughan.
0: Firstly, tell us about yourself and your background.
1: I grew up vision impaired. I come from a family of vision impaired people. And after a few personal changes in my life, I I decided to be professional when it came to my computing skills, I guess. Um, I also had jobs and things in factories years ago. So like I said, after a few other personal changes in my life, I went to do web development and that was interesting it was a lot different back in the 90s and early 2000s and then from there I I actually got picked up by um, visibility or what's now visibility in Western Australia Uh, was the Association for the Blind of Western Australia back then uh, to work in their library in their um, alternative format area creating talking books and daisy books and changing books from normal books into talking into daisy books um, I worked with a, a lovely guy from America, Greg Kearney, who um, we, we, we'd known each other for some time. So to actually be there working with that group of people was absolutely lovely. It was on the back of the Cisco Academy for the Vision Impaired or the former Cisco Academy for the Vision Impaired run by now Professor Ian Murray, then Dr. Ian Murray, uh, where I was teaching people, uh, it was a volunteer role, but um, teaching people how to well do Cisco networking about uh, PCs modern-day computers yeah it was gave me a lot of really really cool really really good teaching experience i also did a certificate for in training and assessment uh, which carried me forward into not just working at the association for the blind but also in the role i took when i went to work in new zealand and palmerston north the lower north north island in new zealand because i really wanted to formalize my abilities to do access technology Um, i love access technology and i love teaching I also feel that people often miss out on a lot of the fundamentals, so it gave me a good opportunity to hone up some skills, get a lot of experience working overseas. I, I think if you get an opportunity to work overseas, or if you get an opportunity like I was given, then absolutely go for it. Just grab it with both hands, and and I did. But eventually, it was time to come home. Three and a half years into that role, and I was lining up with Vision Australia actually to work with them, even prior to my return to Melbourne again pretty much doing the same role that i was doing in new zealand with the added extra experience let's put say, let's say it like that of dealing with the rolling out of the national disability insurance scheme or ndis Uh, that was a fixed term contract which sadly didn't uh, continue i was was thinking i was pretty good at what i was doing and, and i was getting a lot of positive feedback so i was thinking I've run businesses before, the old Lonsdale Media days of doing web de- web design. And I used to say to people back then, the reason I got into web development, even with low vision, back in those days was because I think the, uh, the dream takers had the day off. They weren't watching. So when I decided to do it, there was nobody there to say no. So I just applied that same I guess paradigm I belief to doing what I really wanted to do and that was teach into my own business. Basically just continue where I left off. Um, clients, Some clients followed me. Uh, having my own business meant that I was able to um, market the way I wanted to market the business and talk to who I wanted, when I wanted and where I wanted. So I did. And again, there were no dream takers. I think there was one actually, but... Uh, I dealt with that one pretty quick. So Mm. there's very few people saying no and um, more people saying yes. So let's talk about that. Tell us about your business. What's it called and what precisely is it that you do? Sure. It's called Data Australasia and it's an acronym for Disability and Assistive Technology Access Australasia. So that's a pretty big mouthful. And uh, my friend who's a business coach, her husband, Dave, actually came up with the name. Because we were sitting there thinking, well, I'm, I'm probably going to be finishing at Vision Australia, so let's start thinking about registering a new business. I re-registered Lonsdale Media just for the name only, and that way I could keep the old domain names. So that same week, we also registered Disability and Assistive Technology Access Australasia, or Data Australasia. I included the Australasia because I've actually worked in New Zealand as well as Australia and I have actually had a number of clients from New Zealand, not as many as Australia, but I have had a a few clients from NZ in the time that we've been running. What did I want to do with the business? Okay, so we start a business and you go, what are you going to do? Well, it was pretty obvious, as I've previously mentioned, that I would just continue on where I left off. Uh, from VA. So why not work the clients? Uh, some people followed me, others uh, I I was able to get very quickly a client base. It's, it's typical of a lot of businesses where you really start off with maybe one or two clients a week or not even that. But you've got to do things like set up a Facebook page, for example, a Facebook business page. That was the first thing I did. I'd learnt a lot about social media so as I said there was the Facebook page that went up first. I did a bit of uh, marketing on the blindness networks and next thing I know I've got a business and people are starting to make referrals which is really what you need. Word of mouth is often the best advertising. So it's free and if if you get a good name or a good reputation out there people will talk. People will tell you about their experiences be them good or bad. Obviously, we all know the old adage of bad news travels faster than good news, but I'd like to think there's been a fair bit of good news in in my little story. And as a result, uh, people started ringing up or people started making referrals. I was also running the Australasian Blind Chat Group on WhatsApp, so there were plenty of people networking through that. I had been putting uh, posts out on Twitter and linkedin including some posts on facebook as i've already mentioned and i put up a website where you can do posts and i just like to just like to think that's how i got it started tell us what a typical day or a week looks like in your business life um a typical day will be you get up in the morning check the emails get dressed if i've got a client in the morning um i've got i'm very privileged to have some some helpers data Australasia was never meant to be a one-man band I've got my business coach I had for a little while somebody coming out with me to learn access technology I've got now a bookkeeper and I'll come back to the accountant and bookkeeping thing a little later and I've got a couple of people who drive me one of which is Geckin, the taxi driver and your typical well 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 clean cut Indian taxi driver here in Melbourne silver service taxi and yes my travel budget is huge I might add but it's been happening that way for a while so I'll go and visit maybe a client at 9 in the morning through till 11 or 10 till 12 I usually like to do a client for two hours I usually try and do one in the morning and one in the afternoon that way it gives me a bit of a break there are times when I've had uh, two in the morning maybe one in the afternoon Um, So I'll have lunch out or I may even come home for lunch. Sometimes, because we are being funded by the NDIS, we can charge a reasonable rate. So I might only, sometimes may only have a client in the afternoon or one or two in the morning. So I'll be at home for lunch or out on the road, depending on how how it all falls, and another two-hour session in the afternoon. In actual fact, there's another lady who I'm working with after she finishes work after four and that goes t- carries me through till six thirty p.m or 6 15 p.m for a while there i was using public transport to get the clients but uh since with covid and also sometimes if you've got equipment you may not necessarily want to use public transport it is very time consuming mm-hmm. albeit a lot cheaper or free for us vision impaired people but it is time consuming and uh, depends on where the job is if it's in the centre of town and there was a client I had in the centre of town it makes it easier but if it's in the suburbs it can be a lot harder so the taxis often work best for me so once I've got to the client and then not to mention this preparation which I'll come to in a minute um, I'll have let's say it's a it's a it's a regular client We'll just review what's happened in the last two weeks. Usually, the appointments are two weekly apart, sometimes weekly. So we'll discuss what may have happened in the previous uh, in 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 the intervening time between the two appointments, any issues they're having. At times, I will have done some preparation work a day or two before and prepared a lesson plan, or um, followed up on something that may have needed following up on. Then we deliver the service, um, and then I'll come home and. uh, chill out with a glass of wine so that's really my day there are days when I don't have clients so like today for example I was doing a little bit of marketing Uh, it's been a little bit of a downturn lately I think with the edge the ending of COVID winter people are still a little bit frightened Um, so I've been doing a bit of marketing it gives me an opportunity to do some networking I'll catch up on the mail that uh, yeah that's pretty much my day really
0: Mm. And, of course, there's other things that go along with running a small business, such as you mentioned previously, finance and bookkeeping and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but I want to investigate a little bit more um, your clients in terms of um, the way that your your business is funded. You mentioned that um, you're primarily funded by the NDIS, sure. but um, the the NDIS funding is, is client-centered. So how does that work for you in terms of... Um, Obtaining that money, do you charge the clients and they claim that back from the NDAS?
1: Um, no, I usually send them an invoice. I've got uh, QuickBooks running, and prior to having QuickBooks, I used to use a manual bookkeeping system, which was hard. So I always charge on invoice. Uh, clients will either usually most the general practice is, and I've spoken to other O and M's and other people who are running similar businesses through our blindness and beyond network. Um, we generally invoice. First, and the, the client will claim the money from the NDIA or the NDIS, and then they pay me. Now, of course, that means if we're working with a plan manager, the invoice goes to the plan manager. And I've had the privilege of working with some really good plan managers, and there is, you know, obviously some better than others. So. Yeah, so basically we're sending the invoice off either to the client or the plan manager, and uh, when the ma- and, and they pay usually relatively quickly. There's been a few hitches with invoices or plans that have been renewed, so that's why I say I've been able to work with some plan managers to secure those payments if there's been a bit of a hiccup, and that usually just means a phone call or an email or if they're needing some clarification. I can't work with people who are NDIA managed. There are very few of those anyway, but uh, people who are plan managed or self-managed, yep, go for it.
0: That means that you've you've got that little bit of a, uh, a level that you have to consider that if you were running a private business where you were just being paid uh, directly by the clients, you, you have to sort of keep an eye on who's plan managed and who's not, who's responsible for this and who isn't. Yep. Do you find that as um, a bit of a juggling act?
1: well I've got a reasonably good system um, I think I do everything based on the file system I have a like I've got all their names and details in in the CRM or in the well in the QuickBooks system basically I have a client for a folder for each client a directory for each client and under that I have things like um, NDIS lack and in NDIS information so I often get sometimes having to talk with their LACs the local area coordinators and in that text file is the contact details for the client, their own email address and phone number, and if they're plan managed, the plan managers details their email address and phone number, Unfortunately, I do most of my work on the Mac, it remembers the email addresses, so I only have to type in, um, well actually I don't type in anything now, I don't send invoices manually like I used to, but you know, you, you see the common things like accounts at myplanmanager.com or, or mm-hmm. whatever the typical addresses are, and the system remembers them, but uh, since having QuickBooks, uh, what i've done i took some advice from a colleague and friend of mine who is running an O&M service here in melbourne and her advice was to when you put in a client put the client's name and in the company field put the put ndis or put the ndis number so i write ndis number sign ndis dash number sign whatever the ndis number is that way the plan manager knows that who we're dealing then obviously the the, the details uh, of their street address and their phone number and stuff so what then happens is in the email field i put the email address of said plan manager separated with a comma and as a courtesy i put in the client's email address so when an invoice goes out the client gets it they know that they're going to get the invoice um, it's more just a courtesy copy and that the plan manager gets it and just basically in the as I said in the um, company field I just put the NDIS number. so by the time the planning manager ends up with the invoice they're left in no doubt who it's for what their NDIS number is and the email template goes out with a the information for NDIS partic- plan managers and participants it says the two codes that we now use and what we do, just in case you get somebody new, and a lot of that's on each line item of the invoice as well. So the, there's basically two bits of information. There's the, the the template that generates the body of the email, and it says who we are and what, we, what we're what we doing, the, the codes, and that comes up on the line items within the attached invoice, which is a, a very reasonably well-formatted PDF file.
0: What would you say, um, particularly when you started, were some of the most difficult things about running your own business as a blind or vision impaired person that you i guess perhaps that your previous experience hadn't led you to uh, to expect
1: um probably the manual invoicing system was always a pain in the neck Um, and sometimes i like to write extensive client notes too um that didn't burden me too much other than the time it takes to do it uh probably managing the manual invoicing system um and the financial part of it's difficult because having a sensory disability which is what a a vision disability is it's you know it's very easy to 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 lose track of something or to lose sight of something i haven't got as much money or i've got too much money in the bank or what what didn't get paid that sort of stuff um so it then became time to do the first tax return which was okay uh, everything went well there but if i if, if i if i could what would you do better again is probably get the bookkeeper organized a bit earlier because i have now got the bookkeeper organized but of course there's mistakes i've made with the quickbooks system that you know if i had that somebody holding my hand with that part of it i would know precisely what to pay in tax because the accountant just did their job and cleared off and came back next year and did their job and cleared off and that sort of stuff but when you've got a sensory disability it's it's often good to have people with you to really basically sometimes point out they're bleeding obvious so that's what Mm. I would do probably a little differently
0: yeah well as we're talking about bookkeeping and financials let's um look at it from a slightly different perspective are there any things or any forms of assistance that as a as a person who's vision impaired that you've had to pay for that a normal business owner wouldn't have to and how have you dealt with that
1: the first thing that comes to mind are taxis, because if I was a, if I was fully sighted, I'd be able to hop in the car and go. <laughs> the heartache of that's been really taken away by G- Geckin, who I've previously mentioned, because he makes getting into a taxi so much easier than it could otherwise be. Um, because I don't really want to get into a taxi driver, I don't really want to know and have to, you know, try and give directions and stuff um and just a hassle of have i left my stuff in the car or, i mean so I carry around some reasonably expensive stuff probably things like uh jaws licenses and things i've had to pay for that said i myself am on the ndis and was able to and and, and am self-managed so i was able to deal with that uh there's other software that you can't claim on the ndis of course which is your um, you know things like TeamViewer. that's quite expensive uh, but there again, that's what a normal business would have to charge anyway. So in answer to your question, probably, I'm probably going to have to pay for a little bit of bookkeeping extra support perhaps because of my vision impairment. Um, it wasn't a great deal more. Nothing's coming to mind other than really the main thing being the taxis, I think. Um, Oh, well, maybe the other expense might be buying a faster computer that can really run the access technology. Um, might have been the only thing, but not really too much, for, and I don't think there's been really mm. a great deal that's hassled me from an expense being vision impaired.
0: And you talked about the fact that you're currently running your business four days a week. Um, I'd I'd like to hear a bit about your uh, what you're doing the other day a week. But do you find that your business is, without getting into the finer details of it, um, turning over enough to uh, to make it worthwhile four days a week? Yes, it,
1: it, um, at the moment we're we're all suffering. I think a bit of a slowdown, but oh, very definitely, it was very worthwhile. Um, even six months ago, we've had a bit of a we've had three months of abnormal. Um, work sadly but we'll come to that in a minute mm. but prior to that oh very much worthwhile um i was really living a good life um and and, and will do again obviously but um for me it was very worthwhile and it it left me in no doubt that i'd done the right thing you know i never you know when i was doing lonsdale media years ago i used to think oh if i had a proper job i'd be making better money and i'd be happier i've never had those thoughts with data australasia i've been making really really good money money that will be um that that tells me i'm doing the right thing and at uh, some stage that i'm looking at turning it into a company again you need money to do that yes i could just afford that that's uh, you know during the good times it was uh, and i've had a lot of a lot of more good times than not so good times and every business gets this so it's nothing to be scared of because i just take the view that if i've done it before i'll do it again the The other part-time role is a really cool one i was the vice president of the apple user society of melbourne uh, but i was also being asked by them to do various presentations and one day i did a presentation on accessibility because there's a lot of people in that group who are elderly so they're Going to come into that age group where, you know, age-related macular degeneration could uh, be an issue, or cataract, uh, slowing down, loss of vision, or, they, or if not them, they may know somebody themselves who would be falling into that category, and I certainly learnt that lesson back in New Zealand. So I did this presentation one day uh, on, you know, the sort of things for vision impairment with iPhones and iPads and I did the whole thing with seeing AI and, you know, voiceover and screen, ma- you know, using the Zoom and then and the presentation went on for about 50 minutes and I got this lady you know, who asked a question about Braille and I think, ooh, there's somebody who knows something, what's happening here? And I said, well, it's outside the scope of this presentation but I'm more than happy to talk to you. And that was a lovely lady by the name of Marion Blaise Marion Blase, and she was at the time managing the Statewide Vision Resource Centre, which uh, is known and quite well respected through the blindness community. A lot of people have come through their support skills program over the years. It's a delightful place. It's a privilege to work there, and they asked me to come on board as a casual one day a week to work in the support skills program the same year, oddly enough, only a matter of a mere months after I started Data Australasia, um, to to fill in as a casual, and then it led to a three month contract, and it led to a year contract, and during COVID it led to, well, um, basically, um, we really like you and we really need to continue what we're doing. I actually was the instigator of getting the support skills program to go online during the early days of COVID. I said, well, if we've got this thing called Zoom, and we're not afraid to use it so they, uh, we do run still periodically scheduled support skill days on uh, zoom only to keep people's hand in and to allow people who are remote to access the program so basically um, I basically it's been now led into a permanent role one day a week and the beauty about that role is it just dovetails so beautifully with the role I've got at Data Australasia. And you mentioned um,
0: the support skills program going online. Of course, since COVID, a lot of things have been going online. And have you found that a lot of your clients were quite receptive to having, um, I guess, paying for your services online? And how have you dealt with that?
1: It was something that was always in the back of my mind. And even way back in New Zealand, you know, somebody said, let's install TeamViewer, and that's about as far as we ever got you know somebody said well we've got jaws tandem and all that yeah yeah that's great so it all got installed and never really used but um yeah and that's pretty much the way i started with data australasia really it was 2019 um february march that we started so the first year i don't think i did anything online so covid came along at the beginning of the second year and um i thought it's time um let's start doing it kelly had been my friend kelly had been talking about it for a while I thought, well, it's gonna end up going online. I think we're gonna to need to start purchasing TeamViewer. I charge often people a little bit less for two reasons. A because you can't pick up the computer and grab it off the off the participant and say or the learner and say, Let me fix that quickly for you because sometimes when you're teaching um, so it's not to interrupt the lesson, it's just easy to fix a small thing up because if you get bogged down in that small thing, it becomes a big thing and next thing you've lost your lesson plan and everything's completely changed for the session. So you can't do that, fixing little things up, grab the computer off or the iPhone or whatever you're teaching off, off the participant. Um, so that way the service is a little bit different. The other thing is i also do it as an enticement for people to come and learn online because learning online is 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 different from learning face to face and we've seen that also with the support skills program it's not impossible it's not something we shouldn't do but it, it is nonetheless a little different and it can be just as just as rewarding for both participant and teacher but we do have to do things a little differently
0: what are some of the things that you would advise people on if they're thinking of starting their own
1: business? Certainly, I've thought long and hard about that question. And for me, it was relatively easy because I just kept on doing the same job I had. Um, for people, I, I guess it's, you know, I've done a business course years ago at Swinburne. I, I know about the NIS scheme, the um, new small business incentive scheme, which I believe is very good. I've known a few people who Who've done that? Um, I think you have to really think seriously about what it is you want to do. I think the thing is you've got to have the passion. <clears throat> you've got to have the the desire to do the job you're doing. I think if it was a job that you didn't really want to do, it wouldn't fly so well because you know you haven't got that somebody. You know, if you're in a if you're in a nine to five job and you don't particularly like it, you've got somebody. I was going to say motivating you, but you've got a boss and a hierarchy to to push you along. You don't actually have that in business uh, if you're a sole trader. So you've then got to, you know, you've really got to do something you want to do, and that alone becomes the motivating force to do what you do. Um, So my advice is to really pick what it is you're going to do, take advice from people if you can find any who have come before you. Um, especially if it's a more mainstream business. The business I have is very niche, of course. Um, if there is a, a business network or a, an association for that, um, for that uh, industry that you want to get into, my advice would be to contact them. Um, certainly, if you've got an interest in what you want to do, Um, which as i've already said is a (laughs) it's a big contributing factor then you probably already know people in the industry you probably might know who the associations are you probably might know where to get supplies from you probably would know the best type of um, bank account and uh, bookkeeping and accounting systems to uh, invest in and uh, you might be able to find the clients a lot easier if you already know the industry and, and know where to look for the clients That's probably the best advice I'd give to most people. As part of this podcast series, we'll be talking to people
0: who've been running their, their small businesses for a very long time, some up to uh, 40, 45 years. You started yours relatively recently, and the landscape is very different, particularly in terms of networking and marketing. And you've mentioned social media and you've mentioned uh, reviving your web skills and, and developing websites and things like that. What are some of the other ways that you have marketed yourself and, uh, and your product?
1: Certainly, about five or six months in, a colleague of mine left another large organisation and there'd been a bit of advice. Somebody said, let's start a a group for people who are self-employed. And uh, so a few of us got together in Queensland, actually, around a dining room table one day and started Blindness and Beyond, which we are going to get our website back up and running, but essentially it's a referral network. And we invited in people who are, because it's such a niche, in, niche industry, we invited in people who are O&Ms, and we've got a very big Facebook following now. There's a number of people on the Facebook group. And it provides uh, a referral service so that if I've got a person who I think might want mobility, um, an O&M, um, we've got about three or f- probably even four people who are O&Ms in that network now. There's myself and my other colleague, Mark, who's, yeah, well, Adam, Adam as well, who are in the Blindness and Beyond. So there's been re- referrals that come through that. Um, with the marketing I've done on the Facebook stuff, uh, I have used some of the blindness networks like Vipel. Uh, I don't like to advertise too much on some of these discussion groups because they are actually discussion groups. But nonetheless, I've just put my name out there and a lot of it actually has been word of mouth. How many clients roughly do you have currently? I should have counted them all up before. I think there's probably about 40 or 50, maybe even close to six. But let's say 40 or 50. I I knew I should have counted them. Um, A lot of them are inactive at the moment. There are some people who just come for one session, but there's there's always the core group of people. And they'll come in for three they'll come in for maybe six months worth of sessions there's a couple there that have been uh, running for 18 months on and off now the reason that might sound a long time you think well hang on if they can't learn access technology in a year or 18 months what what good are we well the thing is they often learn more they often find out they set a goal they want to learn how to use their computer with say jaws and we need we, we have to sometimes go right back to the fundamentals and I'm sorry to have to say this, but I think as an industry, you know, with all this uh, what they call client-centered stuff, we've actually lost in many ways. And I'm teaching, I'm saying across the board here, the ability to teach by curriculum. And what I mean by that is that when I learned computing back in the early '90s we learnt DOS or we learnt how to use Windows, we had courseware, we had things like this is program manager, these are icons, these are menus, how to navigate a menu be it with a mouse or a keyboard, this is Microsoft Word, this is the Word basic course, this is the Word intermediate course, this is the Word advanced course, we had Excel, same thing there. People aren't learning like that now and uh, it's right across the board and it's those Windows fundamentals are Computing fundamentals As I said before I I do a lot of my stuff still On the file and directory structure Of the computer
0: Is there something that you wish um, Was available that would have Really helped you in terms of um, Starting and managing Your business um, You know that uh, I guess Perhaps somebody might think about as a Start up opportunity
1: Probably more blindness specific help In things like Bookkeeping because I'm not a bookkeeper. Look, to be honest, um, when it comes to bureaucracy, I I failed bureaucracy school. I'm a, I'm a pragmatist. I'm a pragmatist. You know, I so you know probably more support around that um, the soft skills, as they often call it, in in uh, in modern day uh, work talk or you know new speak, whatever it is. So yeah, I think skills there now. This is where I see a place for the um, the entrepreneurial mindset that uh, Vision Australia and uh, BCA have got uh, formed, I think there's a need there for people who have a sensory disability such as uh, blindness or low vision to check in with somebody, uh, with a mindset group of people who, um, where do I find a good bookkeeper? Where do I find, um, how do I do my tax? How much money should I put away for tax? Because remember, you're you're being paid on invoice. You can go and spend the money. Uh, down at uh, down at the pub or down at Harvey Norman tonight but you do have to put some away for tax uh, business coaching I think um, you know, it's very easy to feel a little lonely when you're running a business and you think am I doing the right thing that's where I really think the support of our Blindness and Beyond Network that uh, Mark and I and a number of others have formed uh, to be invaluable and we have a meeting every Sunday for providers and participants to come along to on, uh, on Zoom every Sunday morning where I see a place for BCA and Vision Australia with this entrepreneurial mindset is that, um, yeah, we probably need to polish up our, our act there, which we can do, and give that advice. I'll have some forum where people can get information uh, via, via the um, entrepreneurial mindset, so I can see a great potential for that. And um, as often people say, uh, starting your own business or being in your own business is a pathway to employment, because even uh, to get picked up by uh, visibility or now, once the Association for the Blind, it was my years of experience in that business um, that got me uh, got me a foothold there. It was also my years of experience doing PC customisation in the 90s that got me a job in the 90s. So not that I plan to go leaving this business, but it does put you in good stead um, because people find out who you are.
0: And you talked about um, not leaving this business. Where do you see yourself in five years? You mentioned that you were thinking about um, establishing it as a company. What do you think your role looks like in five years' time?
1: In five years' time, I think I will be still doing much of what I'm doing. Um, I may even diversify a little bit into web accessibility. I'm looking into the courses that are available for that. Um, but I, I will either be working the business... Well, I probably will be having still a hands-on role, but I hope to have a couple of people with me. Yeah, that's where I'd like to see myself in five years' time, having a few few cohort um, around, and that's what, uh, that's what my goal is. I think to sum it all up, Vaughan, I love what I do, and I do what I love. And I think this is the real thing with business. Businesses, often you hear that such a high percentage of small businesses fail. And they fail because they the, 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 maybe the, the passion's gone or something like that. I've still got the passion. In actual fact, in answer to one of the other questions you previously asked, where do I also see the business going? Not only do I see a few people doing this role that I'm doing, but I, I want to run seminars with a business. You've got to be prepared to give something away. Um, you may not give your core service away, but you'll, well, some people do give their core service away and charge for the extras. But whatever, the, whatever you're giving away, you've got to be prepared to to give something away to, in, to attract people to come to your business. And I'd like to have more of an online presence of um, expanding into doing these seminars. Some might be paid for. Um, The other thing that I really should have mentioned earlier is also running more classes. Um, This is something that I've had in the back of my mind now for over a year, but of course it's been messed with with COVID. So you would get a a group of like-minded people who are wanting to, let's say, learn voiceover on the Mac and this could be done online or it could be done in person Uh, the one i was originally going to do before COVID lockdown number six in melbourne happened would have been an online group with um, with some people who are at similar levels of learning their macs and learning with voiceover so they could have come online and been a really compatible group so where i want to take the business is more of this um, group learning more of the you know running a podcast might call it the Data Australasia Show. At least it's been great to talk to you and learn more about you
0: and your business. Thanks for, for being a part of this program.
1: It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, and one thing I said to somebody uh, not so long ago is that um, if you want to work and you can't get a job, make your own job, do your own work. And that way, uh, the way of doing that is, is running a business and that in turn can lead to employment. So... Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today there, Vaughan. And uh, I'm always easy contactable and would love to hear from the people out there. Thank you.
0: And if you'd like to know more about Elise and her business, contact www.dataustralasia.com.au. www.dataustralasia.com.au An Eye for Business is very closely linked with the Entrepreneurial Mindset webinar series, a part of the Eye to the Future project of Blind Citizens Australia, run in conjunction with Vision Australia. I'm Vaughan Bennison. Take care. I'll see you again next week. You have been listening to An Eye for Business, exploring the entrepreneurial mindset of people who are blind or vision impaired. This is a series of programs brought to you in partnership between Blind Citizens Australia and Vision Australia. Join us again next week.